This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, welcome to the Hell Has an Exit podcast. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 833-999-1877 to speak to a specialist. The show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com. Hey guys, welcome to Hell Has an Exit. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. Uh, Today we have Khalees. This is episode three of the speaker tape series. Uh, You know, doing these speaker tapes, I wasn't sure how people would kind of feel about it, but I've been getting a lot of messages from people DMing me on Instagram saying that they get a lot out of it. So it feels good to know that people are getting something out of these speaker tapes. Um, Like I said before, these speaker tapes help save my life. I don't know if I would be clean without them today. You know, going to meetings and hearing people share was always great, but a lot of times they would have three, four, a couple years clean. And when I would hear these speaker tapes, I was talking or I was listening to people, you know, 20 years clean that were gifted at speaking. And a lot of what they said on these tapes really uh, planted the seed for me to believe in me staying clean long term and not just staying clean, but to chase my dreams and to do anything I ever wanted, you know, Um this guy, Steve Burdick, rest in peace, he gave me my first CD, and uh, Khalees was on there, you know, and this guy just has such a way of sharing his story, he's funny, you know, he makes recovery seem fun, like, it just makes sense when he talks, and um, there's not a lot of people that speak like him, you know, he's got a special personality, and, um, you know, he also has passed away, so rest in peace to him, but um, this is kind of the point of the podcast, is that people who have passed away, who have been clean for a long time, can live on forever and are still affecting people by sharing their message. And I uh, hope you guys get a lot out of it. Um, this is one of my favorite tapes. So with that, welcome Khalees. So to the God who's known by many, 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 many names, I come with deep and abiding Thanksgiving that he thought enough of me to pull me out of the the bowels of hell and show me a new way to live. I want to thank the the committee here. Uh, Here, your 10th celebration of life to think and have faith in me to ask me to traverse an ocean and share with you the same love that brought you here that has kept us as one. I have to thank this God, this God, this God, that there will be times that I might sound as though I'm about to get, I'm, on, I'm about to, to take on a sermon, but, but, but when you hear my story, you might say, can I get a witness? Because... Uh, 
You know what I'm talking about? There are so many here that have reached out to me when my flight arrived at uh, 6 o'clock or thereabout early Thursday morning. I've been on a whirlwind tour of your wonderful city, having visited uh, your metro train, your buses. Uh, I got on a boat and went on all the canal locks, and I, I got over to a, a, a park called Christiana or something, and, and I... Uh, <laughs> So I've got some stories to take back to the States. I'm going to thank Jack for extending this greeting. And he called me many times in New York to assure me that I was not only welcome, but uh, to see how I was doing. I want to thank you, Jack. But before I share, I don't want to be misunderstood. So I kind of have to let you know where I'm coming from, that you will know where I'm going, because my purpose in coming here, if you should ask me, why did I get on a plane to fly nearly 4,000 miles to come over here? Well, it's very simple. My purpose is to fuck up your reservations should you have one. Now, I, I know that that word can be abrasive, it, 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 it can be demeaning, it, it can be interpreted a lot of ways, but, but I use it because this disease that we suffer from is, is about denial. So when I went to, to cop my drugs, the dealer didn't talk to me with, oh, gee, Willikers, Fudge, and oh, golly, and shucks. He said, shut the fuck up and make the line straight. So if I'm going to talk about something that whipped my ass for 40 years, I must give it its proper respect. And that is, this disease is about death, pain, misery, suffering, jails, institutions, and the horror of having to do it again and again and again. So that if your disease was anything like mine, I had a marshal, we call them generals, and his only order to me was march. Get the fuck up and we're going to march. We're going to march Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. There will be no holidays, no vacations, no sick days, no personal days. The sure the fuck won't be any weekends and you must work 24 hours a day you're not going to be paid a penny for your work. In fact, you're going to have to pay me to work for me. And I was a good soldier. I was a good soldier. I answered every call. And I, I was in pain so that, so that my story is going to overlap your story quite often. And you're going to wonder, 
wow, it happened to him over there. Well, that just happened to me. Well, this disease is not, does not discriminate. It doesn't give a fuck who you are, what your last name is, what your father owns or doesn't own, how many degrees you have or don't have. It doesn't. All it wants is to kill you and to tell you that your pain is pleasure. So whenever I share, I ask people right up front, if you think drugs is your answer, then what the fuck was your question? So when I arrived in the rooms, my brothers, my sisters, my family, Truly, you are my family, my extended family. I find a love in you that sometimes when I reflect back, I didn't have in my birth family. I came in the rooms. I was 55. I had just come off of a 40-year run of, of, of trying to stop, of always trying to stop, always trying to stop using. Because the first step said that I had to admit that I was powerless over my addiction and that my life had become unmanageable. And I knew that. I mean, first things was last and last things was fucking first. But I couldn't stop. I always said I could stop. I could stop anytime I want to stop. Long as it ain't now. That was the only time I had a problem with. And I could stop after a while, pretty soon, later on, a few minutes, just a second. What the fuck is the rush? Hold on. Let me finish this. I'm going to stop. So therefore, I didn't stop for 40 years. The theme of this convention is about, is about today. It's about living in the now. But my disease always had my ass any place except now. I could stop after. I could stop uh, uh, tomorrow. Uh, uh, hold on. Just uh, I coulda. I, I, I shoulda. Uh, I, I woulda. Uh, I'm gonna. And there I was caught up in a disease that had me in its grips. It did to me that which the Geneva Conventions won't allow you to do to a prisoner of fucking war. Wardens in, 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 in penitentiaries can only put you in solitary confinement about 30 days or they call it inhuman punishment. My disease locked my ass up for 40 years, and my warden was between my ears. And he told me, don't eat, don't sleep, don't bathe, give up freedom, go to the penitentiary. Forty years. So that if you haven't done some of the things I'm about to share with you, you keep fucking around. I'll tell you what, it's on the menu So I started out when I was a very young child, four or five years old. Uh, my, my first 
drug that, that changed my mood was lack of oxygen. Maybe y'all may identify. You know, when you're four or five, you hold your breath, spin in a circle, get dizzy, fall the fuck out, and do it again and again and, and again and again and again and again. I was a little kid and I build model airplanes, you know, when you're a boy, you build a model airplane and you gotta put the paper on the wood and you gotta get some glue and, and you gotta dry it and you blow on it and every time you exhale, you gotta inhale and all of a sudden I'm smelling the glue and now fuck the planes, I want the glue. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And my story is not about leaving off one drug when I took on another. It was like a train. I just kept adding cars. I got introduced to a socially acceptable drug called alcohol. Our literature says, don't forget, alcohol is a drug. But in the States, it carries social acceptability. This buds for you. It's military. Six o'clock is happy hour time. <laughs> Let's toast to your health. <laughs> Lying motherfuckers. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and I drank that cheap wine 37 years. I didn't drink Drambui and Cuddy, Cuddy Sark and Johnny Walker top shelf. I drank Thunderbird. <laughs> Wasn't a grape in that motherfucker. I don't know why they didn't sell it in the hardware as a paint thinner or some shit, but I drank it. I used to love to drink cheap wine because it allowed me to throw up yellow liver bile when I was holding on to the toilet bowl like I'm praying at the fountain with long strings of slime coming out of my mouth and I could hardly catch my fucking breath. And when I would come up for air, first thing I would do would look at the bottle to see if there was any left. I said I came to fuck up somebody's reservations. <laughs> Laughter is identification. Laughter is healing. Because if you'd have laughed at my ass when some of this shit was really happening, choose your weapon because somebody gonna get hurt out here. Well, I went on. I, I, I started out after drinking and, and I've got a hold of marijuana. Marijuana. I thought at first it caused you to, you know, giggle and laugh and you eat all the time. <laughs> but all of a sudden that shit had me paranoid. <laughs> I smoke it and see somebody looking at the wind at me. I'm on the 15th floor and ain't no fire escape, but I see the motherfuckers out there. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? But I said, my, I just want to give a little bit of a drug log before I go into the, the, the meat of my, of, of, of my sharing. I got to let you know from where I came from so you'll know the gratitude that I have for being here. Because they say grateful addicts seldom, if ever, relapse. 
So I got to let you know where I come from. I always tell people, if, if, if you want to stay clean, remember your last ass whipping. Not the one before that or the one before that. The last one. Because your disease will tell you after a few 24s that that last ass whipping wasn't really that bad. So I smoked, I drank, I began to go into hospitals to detox off the alcohol. They finally got tired of my ass. They put me on a drug called antabuse. Said you cannot drink on antabuse and alcohol. They do not mix. I said, what will happen, doctor? He said, Mr. Hill, it's very simple. If you mix those two, I guarantee you, you'll dread the day. I said, well, tell me. I need to know. He said, well, the first thing's going to happen. Your blood pressure is going to go up. Your head is going to feel like it's going to explode. Your heart is going to start getting an irregular beat. You're going to get a pressure on your chest. You can hardly catch your breath. You're going to have a feeling that you're dying. But I like that fucking feeling. You know what I'm talking about? So he couldn't scare me. Don't scare me. So I added on, I added on, I added on, and I added on heroin. It's my purple heart. That's my distinguished service cross. This motherfucker, I walked through minefields to get that scar. And I used for 23 years. They called it doogee. They called it smack. Smack the shit out of me. I know that. <laughs> and if you ever, God forbid, you ever got strung out on heroin, that's not a nice drug. That's not a nice drug. That drug tells you to, to don't wash your body, to have dirty ankles, to have streaky drawers on. Eat Twinkies. You know what I'm talking about? So after going in and out of the hospitals for years trying to get off the heroin, they put me on the drug called methadone. Originally it was called Dolphine. It had been dedicated to Adolf Hitler. Because during World War II, the German soldiers was fighting all over the world. They were all over in Africa. Uh, they were every damn where. And they, had, they, they couldn't get the raw opium out of the triangle over there in Burma and Thailand and Laos. And, and his scientists developed this synthetic opiate. And they named it Dolphine. And two doctors, Dr. Maurice Nicewander and her husband, brought it to the United States. And they renamed it Methodone. And there was a governor over there called Governor Rockefeller. And he said, uh, we're tired of you addicts coming in and out of the hospitals. You're a burden on the taxpayers. You're filling up the prisons. If you don't get on methadone, we're going to lock you up. They had a new law out called indeterminate sentencing where they could hold you from one day to the rest of your natural life. But they gave it out. Take methadone. And they said it was going to be free. And it was going to allow me to dig in my butt, pull on my privates, nod, yawn, and scratch. 
So all I wanted to know was where the fuck do I sign? Yes, give me some of that. So I took methadone for nine years, y'all, and two months, 100 milligrams, still drinking, still smoking, taking two and alls and second alls and Valiums and Dordans, smoking African black gungee and Panamanian red, Chicago light green. Every now and then a little oregano because I like to be lied to also. And I couldn't stop. And I went to therapeutic communities, and they told me that I could earn drinking privileges. And I couldn't stop. But I met my match. Because a drug that I had never heard of. You know, drugs had romantic names like uh, barbiturates and, and amphetamines. And, and romantic names like marijuana. This drug was, was one syllable. They called the motherfucker crack. Now, just the word should have told me, wait. <laughs> Don't do nothing yet. Just wait. Why they pick a word like crack? Man told me, have you ever looked in a crack mirror? But I'm an addict. I, I, I need to die. So bring it on. So I picked up rock, put it in the stem, started puffing and blowing and puffing and blowing and puffing and blowing. And, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm looking at the floor and I, now I'm smoking kitty litter and bird seed. Totally insane. Telling myself that, that I'm going to save a rock. I'm going to put this rock in the drawer for tomorrow. <laughs> drawer talk all night long. All right, motherfuckers, five after 12. It's tomorrow. Smoked that shit and got down to the last rock. You know, the worst thing can happen to an addict is to run out of money and drugs at the same time. So I'm down to the last rock. And I found out that I really had potential to be a brain surgeon because I cut that little motherfucker up into 400 pieces. <laughs> Talk about so this, this disease told me in the second step that I had to be restored to sanity. My behavior was totally mad. And I'm justifying and rationalizing the most outrageous sort of nonsense. No sense. And telling everybody it's your fault that I'm fucked up. I'm going to fix you. I'm going to go get high. So here I am, 55 years old, dogs barking at me, pseudo-intellectual, I got a New York Times folded under my arm, 
talking about intergalactic space and the speed of light. Talking about subatomic particles and quarks and neutrinos and shit. While I meditate over a bottle of Thunderbird. <laughs> now I grant you now you heard me start out giving God his proper due and respect I was an atheist I didn't believe in God I cursed God out every single morning I woke up I called him all kind of foul funky names I said if you even you exist you dirty dog cause if you'd have been just and merciful you'd have gave me the ability to jump in front of the fucking A train I'm scared to jump out the window and, and I'm scared to commit suicide but I'm worse scared to live but God is merciful he doesn't hold grudges Grace is unmerited favor. I ask the judge for mercy. I ask God for grace. And this God thought enough of me. After throwing hot water on his birds in the morning because they tweeted. <laughs> Don't tweet. Don't remind my ass this morning and I got to do this all over again. This God came into my life in the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous when I met y'all and you raised your hand and said you did not use today. You didn't use? Was you locked up? Was there, is there a panic in the street? The fuck you mean you didn't use? You ain't got no money? They said, no, man, we didn't use. I live in a community. This, 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 this celebration of life is taking place on a block that I saw a whole lot of crazy shit going on coming here. And yet this is where God placed this convention at the very spot where it's most needed. How you like that? So here I am at 54 years of age and somebody had told me about a meeting that might help me stop smoking crack. They didn't say stop doing all the other crazy, just crack because there's something about crack that will open your ass up to suggestions. You know what I mean? When you don't hear nothing, crack will make your ass listen. So I said, well, what is it that, 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 that can help? They say there's a group of addicts up in Harlem, in East Harlem. I said, addicts? They ain't doctors and nurses and therapists? No, these is addicts. They gonna help me? Yes. They gonna hug me? Yes. Hug me. Take my wallet? Hug me? <laughs> they said, don't worry about that. Just come to the meeting. And y'all, I went to the meeting. No miracle just took place. But the seed was planted because I saw men crying when they was talking about they got their children back. They didn't beat their wives no more. That they was glad that they were alive. And I'm saying, but how do I do that? Slowly they revealed it to me. They said, you got to get a sponsor. 
I said, well, what is the sponsor going to do? I read the New York Times. I'm 55. I know every motherfucking thing. What is the sponsor going to tell me? <laughs> he said, how to stay away from the first one. When you cross the railroad track, the train ain't blowing the horn warning your ass about the second car. So I'm going kind to of, kind of shorten the story a bit. I listened and I listened and I listened until I heard one young man at this one meeting would come back day after day and he would say, I didn't use today. But he wouldn't take responsibility for his children. He said he wanted to throw them out the window, but he would buy food anyway. He was mad at his wife, but he wouldn't leave her anyway. He would tall this crazy shit, but he would say, but I didn't use today. And he was 20 years old. And I asked Ronnie, I said, Ronnie, would you be my sponsor? He was Puerto Rican and I'm black. People ask me uh, 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 on the road to recovery, why would I ask somebody 20 years old to be my sponsor? And you 55. And I was shocked at the question. Why? He stopped. What the fuck do you mean, why? (laughs) I mean, if he can stop at 20, because who the hell stops at 20 doing anything, then maybe he can help me stop at 55, because who the hell stops at 55? Then they said, but he's Puerto Rican. I said, I don't give a fuck if he's a purple people leader. He had still stopped. He did something I couldn't do. We became not only sponsor, sponsee, but we became friends. But this disease, I got to tell it all. If I'm going to tell it at all. Half a truth is a whole lie. This young man got 15 years and relapsed. You heard me right. Got him an $80,000 job. I got him a a Lexus. He was living on the, on the, on the, on the cream of the crop. But he had forgot that he suffered from a disease called addiction. Just as sure if you're diabetic and you need insulin, don't say, well, I've taken it for 15 years, I'm tired. Your ass will be a vital statistic. And suddenly I became his sponsor. But it hurt. Any of you all that have sponsors or friends that have relapsed, you know what? It hurt. It hurt as though I had got stabbed in the heart. It hurt. It hurt. I was overwhelmed. I was angry at the disease. Not at him. So let's keep things in the proper perspective. 
We suffer from a disease, a dis-ease with our feelings. This disease is about feelings. We told ourselves that every time we used, but we didn't hear it. I said, I'm going to get high. I interpreted high as feeling good. But if I'm getting high, then I must have been feeling low. But I got to call it the opposite. I can't say I'm going to get low. I'm going to get high. I ain't going to say this shit is dangerous. This shit will fuck me up. I'm going to say this is some good shit. And I told myself this lie. And it took y'all, a group of addicts, that wrote 12 steps, traditions, and concepts. And you all taught this old man how to live life one day at a time. Now, go back with me for just a moment. If I were in New York right now, I'm going to call it as though it was this time. It would be... Just about 10 minutes to 4 p.m. June the 7th, right now. But if I picked up a telephone and called Tokyo, Japan, and asked the operator for the time, she'd say, why, it's 10 minutes to 4 a.m. Sunday, June the 8th. So I'd be talking with her tomorrow. She would be answering me yesterday, but the conversation would be taking place now. I have never met anybody that got high tomorrow. So y'all got a topic that's the theme that says live today. Today is the tomorrow I talked about yesterday. And it's still now. Hey guys, want to talk to you about United Recovery Project. We're a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. We have three locations in Florida and three locations in California. Our facilities are state-of-the-art, luxury, and high-end. We do take most insurances. If you're struggling, I always tell people to go to a 12-step meeting, but some of us need an extra head start to give us a fighting chance. For those of you that do need this head start, that are detoxing, that do think you need to speak to a professional, please call 833-999-1877. We are working with most insurances. Even if you can't get into our treatment center, we will point you in the right direction. Please give us a call today. Once again, that phone number is 833-999-1877. I was with my brother. We were sharing yesterday. We were talking all about Andromeda and all kind of wild shit and black holes and shit. And we say, whatever time it is, it's now. Right there. When I looked up the definition of God, it said that God had three personalities to his character. One was omnipresent everywhere at the same time. His center is everywhere and his circumference 
is nowhere. This God was omnipotent, had all of the power. Basic text says, this God will be your greatest source of strength and courage. And finally, it said that this God is omniscient, knows everything. So I ain't got to hide nothing. And they said that you're going to need this God because your disease is cunning, baffling, and insidious. So I went back to Webster. What the fuck is cunning, baffling, and insidious? Webster said cunning is a skillful adversary. Not just the enemy. This son of a bitch is Skillful. He has laid in the background, spotted you, watched you, tagged on, trailed your ass, learned all your weak spots, knows what buttons to push. A skillful adversary. Then it said that this, this, this disease is baffling. Third tradition says you can be prayed over, counseled with, reasoned with, analyzed, beaten, threatened, jailed, and you still won't stop. Defies solution. And lastly, it said this disease is insidious. I thought that had a little class to it, a little ring. Oh, I got to just... My disease is insidious. I got a bad motherfucker. This is <laughs> I checked out the word insidious. It said subtle treachery. Treacherous motherfucker will invite you over for tea and put arsenic in the sugar bowl. It said, treachery is that which will lie in wait to do you great bodily harm. I needed a God and I was an atheist. So the literature had me in mind when they said, well, if, if you have a problem with God, then let it be the basic text. Let it be the literature. Let it be the fellowship. But don't you be God. Because your best thinking got your ass in this seat. (laughs) So I was hearing something that no therapist taught me, no doctor, no judge. No parole officer, no parent, no friend, no loving member of my family. Nobody had talked to me about a word called love. Y'all said, let us love you until you have learned to love yourself. That the opposite of love is not hate. Its opposite is indifference. Pay them no fucking mind. If you want your child to set the house on fire, pay them no mind. Motherfucker, burn the house down. Because an ass whipping beats being ignored. At least you love me enough to whip my ass. And y'all told me to come back, come back, come back. And I'm wondering, why y'all telling me to come back? Because you wouldn't elect me treasurer? I wanted to count the money two weeks after I got here. 
I said, I got a lot of experience in counting money. Let me be treasurer. And y'all said, come back. But my generation out there in Harlem, New York, called me an old man. And they said that old people draw heat and will get them busted. And they always told me, don't come back. And y'all greeted me with a hug at the door. Before I forget this, Bridget opened her door to me at the behest of the fellowship to kind of cut the cost of my, my, my trip here as a guest in her home. And she has two cats. And these cats, at one point, was not my top priority. But as I've come into recovery, I've learned to love a lot of things, and cats are among them. But what I bring this up for, there was uh, an inscription I once read at the bottom of a statue of Buddha. This is this big fat dude, rolls of fat, <laughs> sitting on a fucking lotus leaf, contemplating his navel. And the caption read, he who has the patience of a cat may have whatever they wish. Because a cat will wait for the mouse to come out the hole. The dog barks at the fucking hole, tries to get in the damn hole. Mouse go dig a hole on the other side of the house and come out. <laughs> and that cat, we've bonded. They come out and see, and, 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 and I saw in the cat that which truly I had developed in myself. Because if the dealer told me to wait on one leg in a blizzard, I would be there. Until my disease got really strong. And the dealer would say, I got some good shit. It's going to take 20 minutes. Wait, I'll be right back. And I'd say, let me go with you. You ain't got to come back. Do this shit in 10 minutes. I couldn't wait. I didn't have the patience of the cat. So what happened? I bought some garbage. I bought some ivory soap. I would prefer palm olive, but they sold me ivory anyway. And now when the dealer comes back with the good shit, Quote, quote, good shit. I want credit. And he wants to give me a fat lip. So I just wanted to take that little aside because one of the things that I learned in my recovery was that I learned about some spiritual principles that I didn't even know were spiritual in nature. I thought spirits had something to do with alcohol or voodoo or the boogeyman or some shit like that. Y'all said, no, man, spiritual principles are about love and patience and tolerance and understanding and compassion and forgiveness. It's all inclusive. 
They taught me that if somebody should draw a circle to keep me out, then it's incumbent upon me to draw a bigger circle and bring them in. So we've got a fellowship that's diverse. The same 12 and 12 that's on the walls here are on the walls in Harlem, New York at the Uptown Men's Meeting. My home group, 8 o'clock p.m., 237 East 104th Street between 2nd and 3rd Avenue. Should you ever come up that way, please stop in. You're welcome. All right. So I've got but a limited amount of time to share, and certainly I can't go through. I was blessed to do the traditions last night. I'd love to do steps, but I'm here to talk about my story. And I'm going to kind of wind it down to show you how in that chaos, in that madness, in that insanity, I saw a road to freedom that was very narrow, and it came from the heart and spirit of another recovering addict. The literature says the ultimate weapon is another recovering addict. The ultimate weapon. Made no bones about it. And y'all never lied to me. My sponsor relapsed. But the literature says that relapse is a reality. But it's not a requirement. I'm all about. Yes. I mean, listen, this 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 thing is good. People ask me one time, I was 68 years old. Young man says, "Colleagues, listen, man, you're 68 and you got this recovery. Uh, aren't you a little resentful that it came this late in your life?" I said, "Well, have you ever got a check?" That came so late, you gave it back to the fucking mailman. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It was right on time. I found a way out of no way. I wake up in the morning, got some money left over from last night. That's a miracle. <laughs> These are the things that I got I never thought I would have. I never thought not only would I come and speak to you good brothers and sisters here in Copenhagen, Denmark, but I hated me. I loathed me. I despised me. I held me in utter contempt. There was nothing I wouldn't do to me in the name of let's get high. And it started with taking it out on you. And it all changed. It's all changed. I remember one time I came out of my house, I had a, 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 a $600 Trinitron color television that I had stole from somebody else. <laughs> and I come out the house because I need some drugs. And I come out saying, I know I can get $100 for this. Well, the longer I carried it, the, the more it weighed and the cheaper that motherfucker got. 
Maybe y'all identify. So now I got a TV. I'm recording some shit at home that I want to see when I go back on the VCR. The rent's paid. The electric's paid. The TV is paid. The recorder is paid. I'm paid. And, 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 and God is good all the time. You know what I'm talking about? You know, uh, my sponsor uh, once told me that when he had 10 years, a young man asked him, how do you get 10 years? He said, don't use and don't die. (laughs) So it's very simple. If the last one was the last one, it's the last one. If, 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 well, 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 well uh, I like that, ad, that, that admonition that says, if, 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 if all you need is another one, then why do you need another one? That if instant gratification brought your ass gratification, then why is it over in an instant? So y'all gave me something that the, that the thief can't steal, never goes out of style, cannot be found unconstitutional. Nobody can put a pistol in my ribs and say, give me your recovery. They don't sell it in Tiffany's. The rich and famous should be this rich and famous as we didn't use today. Suffer from a disease that that's all it knows is using. So that if you, if you find yourself among those who didn't use today and you got up earlier than me, then you got more clean time than I have. All right. Yes. Yes. How much time do I have? I think of a story that uh, is kind of indicative of our predicament. It's a story of a, of a man who, at the close of the year, was on his horse riding through the high grass of fall when his horse stepped on a snake. And it frightened the horse, and in rearing up, he fell off the horse and fell right in the eye of the snake, and if his heart almost failed him, he just knew he was dead. But having the look of intensity and looking at that snake, he saw instead the snake was dying because it was a cool day, and snakes hibernate. 
And they must be underground in the fall. So his heart went out to the snake. Oh, poor snake. And he picked the snake up, put him in a bag he had, took him back to his cabin, went to his, to, to, to the wood box and got some logs, put on the fire and got the warm in the rooms and put the snake right in front to warm the old snake up. He went to his cabinet and he got some mazola oil out and he started rubbing the old snake up and down, got the snake the way he was moving again. Then he went to the refrigerator and he got some big fat goose eggs and he commenced to feed the snake. Now the snake is really happy and the snake got around around his neck and was just showing all kind of gratitude. Well, the story goes, he and the snake became fast friends that winter. Wherever you saw one, you saw the other. All that winter. Well, the first warmth of spring, the snake began to smell the sweet odor of the earth coming under the door. And he wanted out. And the man, they had grown so close, had had sensed that. So he took the old snake against his will back to the very tree that he found him under, and in freeing the snake, he said, Snake, be careful, because when the fall come next year, you may not be fortunate and be saved. Find a hole. Take good care of yourself. You've been a good old buddy. And with that, he put his foot in the stirrup to get on the horse, and the snake reached up and bit his ass. And as he fell off the horse, he looked the snake in the eye the second time and he screamed, Snake, why did you kill me? I saved your life. I nursed you to health. I even returned you to the spot in hopes you find your friends, relatives. Why you repay me like this? And say the snake chuckled y'all and said, Oh man. You knew I was a snake when you picked me up. So the moral of that story... The moral of that story is don't ask your dealer why he sold it to you. Ask yourself, why did you buy it? You knew he was a snake when you picked it up. May God continue to smile on you. Bless you and your families and your loved ones. May you hold another addict in your Thoughts as you close each meeting, because all of us were prayed in here. All of us. We were held in a moment of silence when we said, God. Grant me. Grant me with grace. Allow me. Give me the privilege. God, grant me the 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 the. The the serenity, the peace of mind. To what? To accept, to stop fucking resisting. Accept what? The people I cannot change. 
the courage, that ability to go within me, to reach down into the gut level and bring it out. The courage to what? To change the person I can and the wisdom life's experiences that tell us right from wrong. The wisdom to know that that person is me. Because if I want to change you, let me change me. And since I'm no longer who I was, you now must change if you want to deal with me. Stay strong. My name is Khalid. Thanks for letting me share. Love you all. This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 833-999-1877 to speak to a specialist. This show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com.